Welcome to What's on the Agenda Extra. I'm Melissa Hart, and today's special guest is Chris Hill from Maryland. Chris and his wife, Jen, have MD Hillbrook Sales and Service. They have 30 years of experience specializing in all aspects of dairy cattle merchandising. You'll find Chris in the box auctioneering all kinds of cattle sales, including the Bright Future 6 sale and the upcoming ever-popular Nashville sale, the Music City Celebration Sale. That's coming up on December 5th. If you want more details on that, click on that link in the featured sales list on the right side of the homepage of Dairy Agenda Today. They will have online bidding. That sale catalog will be coming soon, and it will be a great sale that happens in Nashville on December 5th. Listen to this on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. I want to start off with three random questions. If you could do anything in life and you know that you would not fail at it, what would you do? That I would not fail at? Right. Oh, I don't know. I wouldn't mind being a successful dairyman. If I knew I wasn't going to fail at it, because I got so many ideas on doing it, but I'm not one that milks cows and I'm not one that likes to be at one place too long. I like to bounce. I like to own a casino. I'd like to be the owner where you never lose. That would be fun. That'd yeah. Be cool. Yeah. Yeah. That oh, would... yeah. The worst thing is you could get yourself still in a lot of trouble. I, I would highly think you could. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. I'd like to have a sale barn. If I knew it wasn't going to fail, but in this day and age and where I live, I don't think it's feasible because you can't have big enough sales in my part of the country because you don't have enough buyers. Remember, you're not failing at this. This is a no-fail thing. Well, so, then I'd like to have a huge sale barn. There you go. Bar none. Where's your le- nearest sale barn? Uh, Lancaster. Fishers is in Lancaster. New Holland's in Lancaster. Uh, you got Brewbakers in Chambersburg. They're kind of new, but they're up and coming. And a lot of them are Mennonite and Amish, and they got great following. And like a lot of people here in Maryland are picking up on uh, on how good they sell, and, and they're selling their, not their bad ones, but their fresh ones that might have papers but doesn't quite fit their breeding program. Mm-hmm. And they'll send them to those certain sale barns, and actually they're doing pretty good. Well, actually, the last six months, everything's doing pretty good. It's pretty hard to do bad <laughs> in the last six months, but they're really cool, but... Here again, you sell uh, 150 head, you know, one of them's once a month, one of them every other week, and you have a full staff that you aren't making too much money. For the amount of staff that you have to pay, you're not making much money. But, you know, a lot of those sale barns have their own herds, and they just kick them out to the pasture, and for those three or four days, they put the consignments in and kind of swing shift their own cows and have the consignments in the barn, and then once all the cattle are gone, they bring their own cattle back in. They know how to do it. They're hard workers. Uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to be involved in the ones with uh, the PHA helps with at Fishers, and it, it's a fun sale to work. Kind of different atmosphere what I'm used to, but I like changes, and it, it's they're fun. They go late at night, I'll tell you that. But they're fun, <laughs> and we have buying stations for calves. And we, actually, we have one of them right up the street, so that's that's good for calves. And oftentimes, you can get more money at a buying station than you can at the stockyard. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. That oftentimes, is- not every time. How does that work? Well, you get your bull calves, and ours is open two days a week from 9 to 1, and it's a company called Goods Cattle Company. They're out of Pennsylvania, but they have satellite places where you take your bull calves and dump them off, and they put them on the scales, weigh them, you get the check right there, and you leave. Oh, wow. That's mm-hmm. that's great. It's very convenient, especially for us, because we're five miles from it. Right. I think we have some of those for hogs around here, but we don't have anything for like for calves or anything like that. We got them here. 
All right, back to our second random question. Uh, if you're going to get a tattoo, what would it be? Do you have a tattoo? No, I'm not. I don't do ink. That's just too painful. <laughs> just now, guy, paid enough to go to the dentist, but uh, <laughs> I'm not a tattoo person. Mm-mm. But if you Mm-mm. if you if you were and it wasn't so painful, what would you get? Ah, uh, what would I get? Probably a gavel. Oh, yeah. I like our logo. I like a gavel and a ribbon that we have in our logo. Yeah. Yep. That, that's a pretty, I, I think it's a pretty cool logo. It, it's like an X. Half of it's a ribbon and half of it's a gavel mm-hmm. that goes through the ribbon. And that's what I get. Yeah. Without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Where would you put that? Uh, somewhere where nobody could see it. <laughs> somewhere that ain't too painful. How about my ankle? <laughs> there you go. Is that, oh, it must be that's where why people get them on their ankles is because it doesn't hurt I'd probably bad. get it on my own. Uh, you know where everybody else puts them probably right on my right bicep there you go right there big yeah that's where bobby morrell had sasha oh yeah he had sasha right there on his bicep but um obviously his is quite a bit bigger than mine (laughs) but there's a guy that was a great guy that's really missed oh for sure uh, a lot of fun with him yeah yeah tell us a bob morrell story a bob oh probably at norm's sale in west union one year when he I don't know, it was rather late at night. I wasn't there for a change. But uh, they took the rent van on the racetrack at the West Union Fairground, and it didn't go over very good with Norm. But uh, like I say, I wasn't there. I just got the play-by-play. But Bob, it's, it's several times, he, he took us, like we'd be up there picking cattle for sales. And him and Raymond Anthony would ride us around, and we'd stop at the Tamarack Tavern there, and he'd have lunch, and... You know, he gave us a grand tour of the place with the shuffleboard and everything, and he was quite the legend there. And I won't take it any further than that, but uh, <laughs> he was a great guy and a tremendous cowman. Okay, third random question, which isn't quite as fun as the first two, but waking up in the morning, is it coffee or is it Coke? Oh, coffee. Like, I get up an hour earlier than Jen just so I can drink coffee and watch the news. Yes, that's what I like to do. I got to have that first cup of coffee, that first taste, that first sip just starts the day out right first pot yeah yep. yeah what do you uh what do you take in your coffee cream only maybe if i'm a dunkin donuts that's kind of a treat and if i really want to treat myself i'll get a little splash of caramel in it Ooh, yeah that sounds good dunkin that's a big thing out east everybody likes dunkin out there huge huge yep, yeah huge yeah it's not tim hortons but the donuts are better than tim hortons the coffee is almost even but I guess Tim Hortons is just, you don't get it much, so you think it's better. Well, yeah, we have we have several Tim Hortons around us, so I can have, mm-hmm. you know, we can get that pretty often. And, yeah, my choice is Tim Hortons over Dunkin'. I mean, I like Dunkin'. I wouldn't refuse a cup of coffee from Dunkin' Donuts, but. No, no, yeah. but the bakery's by far better, oh, in sure. my opinion. Abs- Those Tim Bits, they, you know, they get awful hard really quick. If you get the holes from Dunkin' Donuts, and they're fresh. You know, it depends which one you go to as well. you got to hit them early. You can't go at noon because they ain't got it. Yep, time to make the donuts. Absolutely. But you only go there at noon in the wintertime. Like, you know, in the summertime, after 9 o'clock, no more coffee. Where in the wintertime, if you're roading or something, uh, you put this, You know, you go get coffee every hour, and then you feel like shit for the rest of the day. <laughs> well, I'm an all-day coffee drinker. So, I yeah, I'm kind of hooked. I have it pretty much all day, so... So kind of give us an idea of where you came from and, and how you got to be an auctioneer and that kind of thing. And my dad was an auctioneer. Dad and my uncle Norman, who a lot of people know in the cattle industry, he, they had a herd of Bearshire's Walwatosa Farm. 
and I was born in 66, and they sold out in 69 just because both of them were taking different paths, and Ayrshire's, they went in a dormant stage from then until about five years ago, and then everything broke loose with Ayrshire's again. But anyway, they won, They went to Chicago. That was their big show. In the year, in 68, 68 or 69, when they sold out, they won five Melcal classes at Chicago, so they figured that was the time to have a dispersal. They had their dispersal. They had all those All-Americans that year. And it was always them from the East and the Frankies, Oak Ridges from California. And they went head-to-head there in the mid-'60s. And uh, they were from the East, and the Frankies were from the West. And they sold out in 69, had a very, very successful sale. And my Uncle Norman went on to be kind of partners with Dodie Remsburg. Remsburg's, he did every sale there was around here. Very well-respected auctioneer. Great guy, great family. And my dad took the path. He worked a couple of state sales. So he went to auctioneer school and he had a state sales and he rented a building at our local county fairground. He had sales like twice a month selling antiques, estates, blah, blah, blah. Then, you know, I got in 4-H. I lived close to Patrick's. I went to their farm and worked, you know, used to drive the lawnmower across the field, go there and worked. And I was in 4-H and, and participated. I didn't have a lot of great cattle growing up. I usually got what my Uncle Norman got home with at a sale to show. So needless to say, sometimes I won, sometimes I was at the bottom. But I wasn't very competitive. I just wanted to go to the fairs. And then high school graduation came, and I had to make a decision of whether to go try and take the SATs and get laughed at by every college in the world or go to auction school. So I lost my dad in 1989. He was only 59, had cancer, and his esophagus Never drank, never smoked, never nothing. Mm. And uh, they treated him with radiation. He did last 13 years longer than they originally said. He had a 20% chance the first time, and he made it 13 years. And that's before they were as near as advanced as they are now. So after he died, I my mother always said she'd pay for me to go to college or trade school or something and not be a loser. I mean, she knew I was, you know, I was a fitter at that time, and I was on the road all the time. I was making good money, living at home, and... Uh, Really enjoyed that part of my life. Worked for a lot of great people. And then I said, well, I better do something here. So I went to auction school in 19, December 1990, right after the Royal. And kind of realized I could do it. And I liked it. I mean, I wasn't very good at the real estate part in the, the written exam. <laughs> but I got through the, you know, the, the vocal exam, that, that's what they call it. Got through that fairly easy and got like a 92 or 93. So I graduated came home and my sister had took over my dad's estate auction business. So I had, you know, I could practice there. And, and, you know, when I used to work sales, I used to work with Doug Seidel at a lot of sales. He taught me a lot about being organized and keeping things swept up and tidy. And Doug, anyway, still is. I mean, he's very organized. He was very, very good at running a sale crew, like nobody better at that time. And I got to work with him a lot. I learned a lot from him and the sales he ran were for the people you know, who were front line in the industry at that time. Northeast Kingdom sale, we worked that every year for Ray LeBlanc, Jim Young, and Rama would sell it. And they got to the point where they would let me sell like the last 10 or last 15. And then, you know, sale after sale, Rama would let me do that. And, you know, I'm very appreciative of that. But And then there was different auctioneers, like Gary Estes would let me do it if I worked a Burton and Feller sale. They would let me get up and sell a few. And then the ball just got rolling. And I, there's nothing I'd rather do. I was fortunate in that way. So I want to go back to auctioneer school. 
what do they teach you there? Obviously, you have to know the organization. 5, of... 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. <laughs> they teach you how to count. Okay. 85, 80. Then the, you know, big brown bug bit the big brown bear as fast as you can go. And Betty Botter bought some butter. And there's a hundred of you in there doing it, you know. But there's a lot of people that, there was, I'd say there was 100, 100, 125 people in my class. And 55 to 75 of them had never even been to an auction before. Oh, my word. Really? Like, they were there for the real estate end of it, you know, oh. where everybody has a paddle and you lift it. And you go so slow that, you know, anybody could do it if you know how to count. But they were, I mean, they teach you how to breathe. Um, so you can do it all day. I mean, you asked me at Kentucky, how do you do it all day? Well, you, you can't do it from your throat. You got to do it from your from your gut. Okay. It's the way you breathe. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And they teach you how to do that. And, and, and it's it's amazing you know, how quick you can take a breath without anybody even knowing you took a breath. You know, a lot of people that use a gavel, I mean, I use a gavel to knock them off, but I don't, I don't beat the hell out of box like a lot of people do. And I don't like it. It actually drives me nuts. But, you know, just to go to a sale and hear a gavel beating on a box all day long, is not my idea of a fun sale. But a lot of people beat their gavel when they breathe, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. Because you don't, you, you can do that for the millisecond it takes you to catch your breath, mm-hmm. but that just drives you nuts, and it, and it drives your pedigree person nuts too. Just to hear that thing. I mean, imagine selling three hundred head or one hundred fifty head even in a day, and just hear knock, 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 knock the whole day long. It just drives you nuts. Right. But anyway, that's that's the main thing they teach you. So, and, and then you have to work with a pedigree guy. I mean, they don't teach you how to do that, right? I mean, you've got to really be in sync with a pedigree reader. If I'm working with Tim or Norm. It's it's clockwork. Like we know what each other's going to do, when they're going to do it, when we need more money, or when we need to just drop it and move on. I mean, that that's all comes with product knowledge. But yeah, there are some auctioneers that just don't have that. They just don't know, and you can tell <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> right. They'll, I mean, they'll, you'll be selling a thirty five hundred dollar heifer, and you'll be at thirty seven hundred, and and they'll try to milk you for another, you know, fifty bucks. Well, just stock her off. We got to go. People got chores to do. There's nothing worse than dragging a sale out. Right. Yep. We we discussed that last week in Kentucky. I yeah, <laughs> that can get old really fast. But oh my gosh, yes. Do you think there has to be a certain personality for an auctioneer? Because some auctioneers are so fun. They're funny to listen to. They have the great jokes. They can call out people in the audience. I mean, you've got to have a knowledge of your audience. You've got to have a knowledge of when to do that and what you can say and what you can't say. I mean, there's got to be a lot there. You, you know what I mean? Oh, 100%. But that all comes with staying in your lane. Like, at a sale like you and Bobby go to, nine times out of ten, I'll know 60% of the people in the audience, and I'll know who I can have fun with and who I can't. And, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you stay in your lane. Well, if I go, I'm selling a sale for Lentz at Fisher's on Thursday night, I might know 10% of the people. Mm-hmm. So then, I mean, you got to scale it back, and it's a totally different crowd, and you got to know what you can do and what you can't do and what people laugh at and what gets frowned upon. Right. I think about guys at a sale barn, you know, every week at a stockyards. You know, they're just selling all day long. But, you know. Right. And all you're doing is starting at, you know, a certain point and ending at a certain point. You don't know who the consigner is. You don't care what the animal brings. Right. But when you do consignment sales, you know, and you're selling, 
if you're selling something, say, out of Footloose, you know it should bring fifteen to 25000 mm-hmm. Well, if you knock it off at 8500 or 8000 but say you have to work and you get it to 10000 as long as a consigner knows you're working for them and you're trying, you know, nine times out of ten, they'll say, hey, thanks for trying on my heifer. You know, we just didn't have the right buyer for it today. And that's where a cow buyer comes in, and that's why it's such a huge necessity, you know. If I want a daughter of Footloose, and I know she's selling, I can highlight that, and my phone will tell me when that particular animal is selling, and I don't have to be there all day. That's why the crowds aren't as big. And I get, that's why when you and Cowboy were talking about, you know, remember when sales used to be an event? Well, there there's only about four sales that are events, because everybody knows I can buy the animal at home, but... I still can't understand why a lot of people buy an animal online at a high-powered sale and never see it and never call somebody and ask about it. That was my next question. How much are the sales guys getting? How many, you know, there are some guys on the on the sales staff that are constantly on the phone. You see them before the sale, they're all, you know, they're constantly talking to people. But you wonder with, with Cowbuyer, is everybody doing that or are they just sitting there watching it on Cowbuyer? Yeah, that that gets to be a little bit sticky because a lot of times sales staff is on commission and and they represent buyers and then a lot of times sales staff is on a flat rate for the day and you know there's nothing often many many times you got guys on sales staff that talks to somebody hey how's this heifer look lot 19 oh i love her i love her you want to be on the phone no i'll be on cow buyer well geez and pizza here i am on sales staff now this guy's hired me he's paying me and I can't even represent this guy. And and I'm the one that got the animal sold to him. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, I see both sides of it. Big yeah. Part. yeah. Oh, absolutely. You don't want to go back to not having cow buyer. No, you can't. There's you can't, like that's you know there's certain sales we we couldn't have Nashville without cow buyer, and we darn sure we couldn't even begin to have bright futures without cow buyer. Right. And, right. But and cow buyer got everybody through COVID for sure. I mean, hats off, Darren Ray, for that. We did our state sale that way this year, and I'll tell you what, it was the smartest thing they ever did. And we haven't had a state sale for probably eight to ten years. So you did your state sale strictly online? In Carroll County, Barney's brother has a, a brewery restaurant, and mm-hmm. we had it there on July 10th or 11th or something oh, like that. Oh, yeah. And uh, <laughs> what we did is we had, you know, embryos, first choice females, uh, like if people didn't have embryos or choices of pregnancies to sell, I'd go and we pick, say, three bred heifers, and we put them all on one page, and you get to pick, that all had good, respectable pedigrees, and we just sell pick of them. Anyway, it averaged 3,500, and it was, it was great, festive atmosphere, um, there where we had it. It's a very, very enthusiastic county, and a lot of people that buy, and, you know, Maryland's kind of notorious for, you know, I support you, you support me, and it went great. Ohio did the same thing with their convention sale. Every year they would have a convention sale the end of March, or beginning of March. Well, it's still cold, you know, in Ohio, and, and those convention sales just got miserable, and so they just decided one year, let's do it at a hotel, let's do it online, let's do it on Cow Buyer, we'll have, we'll have drinks and hors d'oeuvres and have the sale right there in a, you know, and it, like you said, it was festive, people enjoyed it, they were inside, they were warm, it was cold out, we didn't have to deal with cattle, there was no expense for fitting, it was great. It was, and it went off really, really well, and Ohio made money. Right, and that's what it do for, but there is nothing worse for me to have an online sale where you don't have a live bidding. I mean, 
and those horse race finishes if somebody bids and starts over again heck with that that's too much procrastination i i hate it but here i am an auctioneer everybody says you well you just say that because you're an auctioneer and you're losing work because well i got enough work i just hate boring sales i don't think there's anybody that likes to sit at a boring sale so absolutely not i don't know yeah and plus you get your energy you i think you said when we were talking in kentucky it's the energy of the crowd because I said, how do you go for three or four hours? How do you do that? That's such a long time to stand up there and talk. But you said it was the energy. It's the crowd. It's what you do. It's You get excited, right? Mm-hmm. Very much so. It's fun. I mean, I wouldn't trade what I do for the world. It's And, and, and you're your own boss and you're going to make or break yourself. I know that you manage some sales, but do you ever sit back and wonder, is there going to be another sale? I mean, is somebody else going to call me? It's... Do you ever worry about that? Used to. Used to a lot. Before Tim and I got together, you know, I used to, man, I hope I get enough sales to get through March and April. Here it is, tax time. And I haven't, well, it's always the case. You don't have any sales in January. You don't have any sales in February. And then you have the bulk of your money making is in March. Well, two out of three times, the money's not in for the sale in March. And here it is, April 15th. I got to pay my taxes. I don't have no money. I hear you. It, it'll be here by May once I get everybody paid off and everything. But, you know, knock on wood, I've never had to borrow money to pay taxes. But, I mean, there were times where it was pretty scary. And then when COVID hit and you knew there wasn't going to be any public sales, and I told Jenna, I said, what are we going to do for money? You know, there's not going to be any sales. So that's when I came up with that Bright Future sale idea and, and that's done great, and we're going to keep doing it twice a year. And out of all the sales we have, there's probably as many or more success stories from that sale for money invested than any sale we've had. Well, give us an example, a oh, success story from the Bright Future sale. Oh, I can, Billy Joe Swope, she's bought daughters of uh, eggs out of Marcy at, at Milk Source for, you know, six $700 a piece. Uh, she has a great thunderstorm out of her from the eggs she bought that, we just bought half of a March cap, and then she sold one ducket sale for six thousand or something like that. Wow! And then, uh, and she had two class winners at Virginia State Show. One was a Applebee daughter, mm-hmm. and one was a uh, Lucky Rose daughter. There's nothing better than success stories. I mean, and then you move on to Nashville. Nashville had uh, we sold uh, Gold Chip Ellen's daughter. Her mother sold in Nashville. And she was purchased by Patty Claire and Enrights, and she was born mm-hmm. at their farm, and she was all Canadian two times, and she was just grand and resold at Blair's sale for, I don't know, fifty-five, sixty thousand. 60000 And she come, her mother got sold in Nashville as a donor cow. Wow. Okay, let's talk about Nashville for a minute. How did that sale even start? Where did you guys come up with the idea of having a sale in a bar in Nashville? They fell in love with Nashville years and years ago and got to be buddies with, with a lot of the singers down there on Broadway. And then they got to know some people, you know, managers of restaurants, and they said, wouldn't it be cool to have a sale here? So we had went we went one year in December. I don't know, a whole bunch of us. And we said, we got to have a sale here. So the next year, we had talked. Somebody, Tim Sharon, knew worked at uh, Alan Jackson's, or, or one of the singers worked at Alan Jackson's a lot, and they put us in touch with this Matt Harville. It's a tremendous, tremendous guy. Works with us great. And they just, they were all about it. And they decided that uh, we could do it. But we had to sell X number of dollars worth of drinks, 
while we were there. And then on top of that, we had to tip the bartenders and waitresses over what they were tipped. You'd have to pay for the room, of course, but you also have to meet certain criteria by the end of the day, or you had to pay the difference. Okay. And that's the way it is with everything. Like last year, we did the All-American nominations at the stage. Well, that was a lot, lot more. So with the help of, you know, Jenner's ST helps the sponsor to sale. With the help of them, we made it work, and uh, we made it a two-day event, and that's what it's going to be this year. But it's just one of those things that everything, all the shows are over. It's between Thanksgiving and Christmas enough that most people can get away for three days. It's a great destination for people from California or Connecticut because it doesn't take that long to get there from either side of the country. Uh, it's an easy destination for Canadians because you can have straight shot from Montreal or Toronto. It's a Southwest hub. You don't need a car. Uh, the rooms are a little bit more expensive to stay downtown, but nine times out of ten, they got free breakfast, and that's one of the advantages of not having a car. And we just thought that'd be a great place to do it, and obviously it took off like crazy. And it's easy to do the selections, too, because a lot of people that don't milk cows are looking for, say, I don't know, last year we got uh, winning spring yearling from Gunkelman's at Expo, okay? They don't milk cows, and where are we going to cover? We got to pay, you know, board on her. We got to hope she has a good udder. Well, put her in Nashville. She's going to be worth, after winning Madison, she's going to be as worth as much then as ever, and she's already won Madison. So we have a lot of those, and we sold a lot, a lot of, good jerseys that have like the, actually the cow I made grand the other day at uh, Kentucky went through Nashville as a baby March cat mm-hmm. and obviously as good as she looked it wasn't because she went through Nashville that she was grand but she, she definitely looked the part mm-hmm. but uh, there's there's a ton of success stories from that too well and you've got all breeds there it's not just Holsteins or jerseys yeah, you sold you everything board with 60 black and white lots a lot of good reds a lot of good of, of all colors and uh, people have done good buying there and selling there, so therefore we've probably got already 20 consignments for this year's. And you can be very picky with that sale on what you take, and people know that, so you, you don't really make anybody mad when you are selected if you turn something down. Well, and the fun thing about that sale itself that we found, even if you're not in the market to buy anything, but it's a fun place to be at Christmas time. And it's not near as crowded as Nashville gets in the summertime. I was, we were just down in Nashville for the Ayrshire Convention. We didn't even go downtown. They had a live band at the Ayrshire Convention sale. After the sale, they had a live band that always plays in Nashville. And I talked to one of the wives of somebody that works, or that was playing in the band. And she said, yeah, like December through March, it's dead. Nobody's in Nashville. And that's the best time to go. Because when we went that, that Monday morning, at, I couldn't believe it. We walked into a bar at 11 o'clock in the morning and there was live music. It was unbelievable. And we, every single bar had live music. And we just went mm-hmm. from bar to bar and listened to everybody that was there. Now, by no the time. No yeah, cover charge. No cover charge. So you can just bounce. And all you got to do is. T- Actually, that's the funnest day of the whole weekend is the day after the sale. Because we, we don't go home till Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So Tuesday, you can just kind of relax, go from place to place have three square meals because you don't all weekend long but uh it's to me it's kind of the funnest day because you just relax and and you're not worried about who's going to call about bidding or what joe smith's animal's going to bring or if he's going to be mad or happy about what she brings it's over it's done that is one sale that is a lot of fun all the way around beginning to end 
before or after it is that is a fantastic sale so glad to have you all back involved in it this year so yeah, yeah well it's, it's going to be the worst thing is trying to get motels for a good price i like that motel i told you about <laughs> that it was 47 rooms were gone in in three days oh yeah we, so I, now we got the other motel and then sharon's actually looking for another one. Oh, okay so the first hotel was which what what was the name of that one i don't even remember Hyatt. Okay, so the Hyatt, it's right there. And then mm-hmm. the Holiday Inn Express is right there as well. I didn't, I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, it's just up at the top of the hill. You come out of Tootsie's and go right, and then you go straight up the hill, you get to the Holiday Inn. Now, I've never stayed there, but uh, it couldn't be difficult for some people late in the evening. It's a little bit steep, but uh, we do the best we can to get you a good rate. Because if you go on motels.com or something like that, it's like, oh my gosh. A lot of people get VRBOs, you know, say if they got eight or 10 people coming in a group, that's the way to do it. That, you know, if I had eight or 10 people in a group, you know, and you divide it up, you're saving more money and you just get an Uber in and out. Especially that time of year, because like we said, not as many people are in Nashville at Christmas. I mean, Mm -hmm. they're just not there. And you can't, we can't have it on a football weekend. Uh, That would make it long lines for everybody. If they got a home game, we can't do it then. Right, right. It's just knock on wood, it's worked out well five years and six coming i can't believe it's been five years mm-hmm. that, that this will be the sixth one wow um what what's one of the most enjoyable shows that you've ever judged because you do judge a lot of shows i feel like you judge less now than you used to but it seems uh you're still judging so what's one of the most enjoyable shows you've yeah, ever but i'm i'm one of the old guys now as far as judging did judging. you uh, wait a second did you ever think you'd get the, to one of the old guys <laughs> Sometimes I don't feel like it. That's that's positive. Two thousand World Dairy Expo Holsteins. Two thousand. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's when I judged, and I judged too early. I'll tell you that. I mean, if I could do it over again, I'd like to be you know forty five when I judge it. But I was thirty four. Why do you think that was too young? Because it's just, it's an experience you'll never forget, and I don't have any regrets about doing it that young not at all but it, if i had to do it over again i'd rather be in my 40s because it's all downhill from there <laughs> you well, know what i mean yeah i do understand what you mean do you remember the cow that you named champion do you remember oh my I, heavens yes i Paradise mean ice was grand donick sky chief pearl was reserve grand okay and so you remember those moments and and the way it felt and you know to me I, I just wonder what's going through your mind through the whole show i mean when that when a great four-year-old comes in are you like man i think she's going to be my champion or or do you i mean do you think of those things when you're in the middle of the ring or what are you thinking about i know you're thinking about the cows but it's just what's the process just do the right thing and and make the breeder what just make sure that when the show's over people aren't throwing tomatoes at you <laughs> And people aren't, you know, not everybody's going to be happy. Right. I mean, that's just the way. But that was in the, you know, when I judge, it was in the days that most of the time you had a clear-cut winner. Mm -hmm. Because I had a clear-cut lead. Carlo Peter was intermediate champion. Ashland was reserve intermediate champion. Some people could have flip-flopped that. But for me, Carlo Leader was a little more on the money that day. Now, the older cows were strong, but not as real strong like the the younger cows paradise was she was on the money that day and this sky chief pearl she was just fresh and she was second to paradise so gerald was my associate there was cow from 
Ohio Langs, really, really good. She was a highlight. Uh, never quite had enough rib, but she had an udder just blow your way. Back, for back in them days. Now you get good udders one after another. And she was beating uh, Broker Mandy till the last minute. And we had gone, you know, with big, big rib all day. And Broker Mandy was, she had a great udder, but she had big tits. And, uh, but beautiful cow. But we switched them at the last minute. So we knew our older cows weren't going to be grand. So I remember, I'll never forget Gerald Tome. He said, uh, we were looking for grand. And he said, you better make those two four-year-olds grand in reserve or you were going to really do something stupid and make the two intermediate. So I said, yeah, you're right. We better. <laughs> So I'll never forget that. And then two years later, I judged the jerseys, and that was that was fun as well. But, you know, and I have no regrets about it, but maybe mid-40s is better, I think, because, like I said, it's all downhill from there. And if you want to judge, now, for position I'm in now, I would rather sell a sale than judge a show any day. Okay. Any day, even if it's a grade sale. Don't care. Is that just because, because you've done you've judging is not the thrill that it was, or you just feel like I've done that? I'm now I just want to move on, or why? Is and that? I don't get me wrong, I love judging, but at the end of the day, only one person's happy. That's Where if, true. You, if you sell a sale, there can be a lot of people happy with you. You know, so you want people to be happy. That's that's good. Sure, that's good. That's been I've been a people pleaser all my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so but, judging shows is definitely not a people pleasing business. <laughs> Right. You're damned if you do and damned if you don't. So it don't get me wrong. I love doing it. But some people are just so infatuated with it. I mean, some people, you know, judging is their life. But I've never known a guy to make a living doing it. But it's fun. I love it. I mean, don't get me wrong. But Have you judged all the breeds at Expo? Mm-mm. I judged Tolstein's, Jersey's, Junior Show, Swiss, and Reds. Okay. So there's still a no few Guernsey, that you, shorties or Ayrshire's. There's a few that you still could judge. Besides besides Holsteins, what what's your next favorite breed to judge? Do you have one? Oh, Jerseys. Okay. Reds. But Reds are my favorite breed as far as buying, selling, and showing. What's up with the Red shows lately? They've been really strong. We were in Wisconsin. Better bulls. They still pick bulls on what the bulls look like in their in their bottom side pedigree. Holsteins don't pick bulls. Look how many black warriors win black shows. You know, it's just the, black bulls are picked behind a computer. Red bulls are picked behind a computer, too. But you still, a lot of people still out on the road buying red bulls. There was 175 head of red cows that went through Wisconsin's championship show. Mm-hmm. That's that's a huge show. And, yeah. and a good one. And the cows. That's, I think red efforts are better than black efforts. And uh, there's probably more people that'll agree with me than don't agree with me. Well, there <laughs> there were some red heifers in New York just on Sunday that, whew, they were beautiful, and they won. Well, Wisconsin, too. Yep, you're right. I, Ohio State Fair, the first seven winter calves in the black show were red. Yep, that's true. Yep, that's true. First seven. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know if they... It, if XMO should let them show the reds in the black show or not. I mean, I see both sides of it. Oh, boy. There's a lot of people not happy about that. There's just a lot of people grumbling now in every area of the country that reds should not be showing in the black show. And one guy said last week, if I took my black into a red show, they'd be they'd be all over me. So why, so why did the reds get to show in the blacks? So a lot of people upset about that. The reason why... If it's RW, it's it's considered 
well, Expo, okay? You got to watch how it writes. It's the Grand International Red and White Show. Now, I can take a red line back in there, but they got to be red and white. You ever notice that, how it's promoted? It's not the Red and White Holstein Show. No. Oh, no, it's Red and White. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah. Canada still uses red and white Holstein. There are a lot of, I mean, and when I hear red and white Holstein, I always think, what? No, just red and white. <laughs> and, but Holstein, they can do it in Canada because it's it's not a, their red show is not a RWDCA. Right. Or, they're, they're, RWDCA has the, when it's sanctioned by RWDCA, that's what keeps the blacks out. Right. But that's what I said, too. I, you know, I got a good black. Can I show her red? Oh, no, 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 you can't do that, but. So, and I'm a red enthusiast. I'd like to be able to show them twice, but I see both sides. That's as far as I'll take it. I ain't going to argue with anybody about it, but I do see both sides. I do too, but do you think it's ever going to become, I mean, as the as the reds get bigger and in more numbers recently, do you think that it's ever going to become where they won't be able to show in black and white shows? Mm, I, I think it'll go the other way first. Okay. I think to show them both shows everywhere before they would do that well the the other thing is uh, numbers you know some of these smaller states want the numbers so they'll you know they're never going to say no reds can't show in the black and white show because they want the cattle numbers if they're losing black mm-hmm. and whites and they can gain reds then that's what they're going to do mm-hmm. but yeah. reds are i mean they're pretty cool and they breed more true than a black too you think oh yeah you take well anna a cow like anna a cow like tequila a cow like Lucky Rose. You know, how many black and white cows that actually have been in the show ring have great, great daughters? I can I can name a, a lot of red ones. And there are some black ones, but I think there's more red. I, I just think they breed, but okay. again, that's my opinion. Right, yeah. We've all got our opinions, for sure. Now, I, I feel like um, recently, just maybe just this year, I've seen stronger older cow shows. You know, there was a, a time there, and it's still in some places. The older cows, there's just aren't that many. Um, after Intermediate Champion, they just drop drop off. But I'm seeing better older cow classes nowadays. Are you seeing the same thing? Well, I think there's more people. There's more people that like showing nowadays. I, I don't think showing's... Some people say it's, where's it going? It's decline. I don't think it is because I think numbers are up every year. But I think there's more people at home pampering a good cow. People that show, they, they'll pamper a cow longer than, or they'll, man, I got a pretty good five-year-old. I'm going to send her somewhere to board. Well, she's getting better care. And I think there's more people taking show care of cows as the older they get more so than there used to be. Right, they're not bringing them out of the freestalls. Although you love those, you love those stories of the freestall cows that win. I mean, I mm-hmm. I, I love a good Cinderella story. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I yeah, do too. yeah, I think you're right. And there's a lot, there are a lot more places to board than there ever used to be either. You know, so mm-hmm. so people are. There, there's a lot more places to board, but there's still only a handful that I would have used for boarding. <laughs> Well, you guys are boarding, right? No, we used to, but uh, we got enough of our own, and we don't do milk cows simply because we're not home enough. And that's nothing we want to put on a mother and father-in-law's shoulders. It's milk cow. I mean, they can feed heifers for a couple of days. We're gone. That's simple. But cows, mm, no, it's it's too much. Like if I had a big-time cow, I would definitely pay to have her board. Well, if I wouldn't sell her, I'd try to sell her first. So how many heifers do you have in your show barn then? On the program, uh, eight. 
they'll all be coming to Harrisburg? Harrisburg, yep. And then uh, we'll go full throttle to Harrisburg, and then whoever don't make the cut stays home, gets sold, is gotten rid of. <laughs> okay, all right. We do something with them. Mm-hmm. We don't feed them all winter if they're not good enough, or if they're good enough, they get sold too. Mm-hmm. But the main thing is, for us to calve out one, we would rather sell it and let the next guy calve out. Right. And then you'll take some to World Dairy Expo. We would hope that at least half of them can make the cut. Because if they're not in the top three at Harrisburg, they don't go. Okay. What about Louisville? You don't go to Louisville? No. Why is that? If you got one on the bubble and she wins Louisville nine times out of ten, you're not going to get a nomination anyway. If I had jerseys, I would, but I don't have jerseys. And if I got a jersey, I'll pay somebody to take her. So you believe in the jersey show there at Louisville? It, it, oh, my yeah. gosh, yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Some people like the Expo jersey show better than they like the Louisville jer- jersey show and the other way around. It's, they're both pretty darn good. Yeah, it's a different crowd, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, if, if there'll be 25 different ones that eat there, 25 or 30 that are in the top five that aren't at one show or aren't at the other show. Right. And a lot of people that go to Louisville and don't go to Expo, they don't participate in that all-breed access nomination thing anyway. It, right. it's Having a nomination in the jerseys is not near as important as blacks or reds. Right. It's how you do at Louisville or how you do at Expo. That's exactly right. Yep. You know, it's still good to have a nomination no matter what the color. But some people don't. They only go on Louisville. And there's nothing wrong with that. Louisville's a fun show. It's, yep. de- it's definitely a different atmosphere than, than Expo. Out of all the shows, your your most favorite show of all? Oh, when we had Junior Champion Black and Red at Expo 2015. We sold, well, we sold the red one the night before to Gene, but it, we still had her in our string. Yeah. Last year was fun. Last year was fun when we had Reserve Junior Champion Jersey, and uh, anytime you have Junior Champion, it's fun. Oh, sure, and yeah. we've been fortunate enough to have it, I don't know, four or five times, so. And, you know, we're close to being at the end of taking a string. We're close to being at the part where you fly in, somebody's taking care of them and having a good time, but not quite ready for that yet. Oh, yeah. Did you ever think you'd get to that place, though? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I think about it every year, about today. But when you're younger, you think, I'm never going to give this up, right? I mean, you just think, I, I don't know, when you're younger and you're going full throttle, you think, how could I ever not come and do this at Expo or right. Harrisburg? How can you never not work for somebody or, or clip these big time cows and, and you're clipping, you're dialing them in? <laughs> well, I can tell you one thing right now, I'll sell my clippers in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good place to be. Honestly, I, I, I'm with you on that. I think when you're younger, like you said, you just think you're never going to get tired of it. But as you get older, it's like, okay, I'm done with that. That's good. And yeah. that's a good thing, too, because, you know, we don't need to be 90 out there trying to clip cows. <laughs> right. And anymore, I mean, it's we've always been fortunate, you know, to have, well, would I quit clipping as much as I used to? But we've always been fortunate enough to have somebody in our organization that could get them out really good, and we still do. But that ain't going to last forever. And and fitters are very, very hard to come by anymore. Why, why or, or at least fitters that are worth the money. Why is that? Because the kids don't want to work. They, they've been behind the screen from day one, and, and they don't want to work. And, and the kids that come right out of high school or, and start fitting that are – you know, picking piles and feeding hay, they want the same thing 
money-wise is is a kid that's one of the best clippers in the country, and that, that don't cut it for me. I mean, it's always been that way with, in the fitting industry. Everybody wants the same amount of money, but everybody's talents aren't even close. That, well, here again, that goes with, with having sales and finding a fitting crew, and then you find a night person that's good, but you find two day people that can lead back and forth and wash rack, C to A, which there's nothing wrong with that, but I'm sorry, you're just not worth as much as the people that recreate these cattle with a set of clippers <laughs> and make that cow worth more. It's just Very it's true. just like going to a beauty shop. Are you going to pay the one that colors your hair and makes you look like a million bucks the same amount of money as you are the girl that washes it and, and sweeps the hair off the floor? Yeah, right, no. Nothing against them, but I just can't pay you what I'm paying the people to do, you know. Going to uh, uh, an office building and paying the lady that your coffee the same amount as you're paying your accountant can't do it like there's a huge group of boys uh and girls in the midwest right now that are really really good but you can't hire them i mean their calendar's full back and that's you know that's part of the, and there's still good ones back here but you can't get them and that's part of the reason why i had march madness in at the great northern last year is because paul has got such a good crew of young men and women and i wanted all them to work my sale and i told jen why don't i just move it to the great northern instead of paying all these plane tickets plus the kids are more comfortable at home anyway mm -hmm. and it all worked i wondered why you did that i guess i hadn't thought about that but that was well, a very practical decision weather oh sure yeah absolutely we always loaded johnny sunday morning with 30 to go to wisconsin iowa indiana ohio mm -hmm. so why not take it to them one year that makes sense. Yeah, that was a good decision. And it all worked out. Mm -hmm. It worked out great. It, obviously, it worked out better than, than the one in 2020 because that was the scariest week of my life. What what happened? That's We had all the cattle in. Johnny had already unloaded. We already had 75 headed to Frederick Fairground, and that's when the world ended. Oh, my it, word. All, we had to sail March 20th, and they moved in on the 13th, 2020. Yeah. Everything got there. That's when the world closed. Yep. So all my staff had to, you know, they were eating at gas stations all week. And, and we did convince the fairground to let us stay because the cattle were already there. And they had people at the gates. And the only people that could get in was us. And then they'd let people in 10 at a time through the day to look at the cattle. And then that's when they put a limit on 10 people per room. So the motel said, you know, we got to keep this quiet. And we have four rooms they couldn't see you having an auction. So we had about 20 people at the sale. So she made us put five in each room. Mm -hmm. And the average 5,200. <laughs> <laughs> you were so good. We left the cattle right where they were. And yeah. uh, we called all the consigners. And we said, you know, the best thing we can do is send your cow back, not have a sale. Or we'll sell them through cow buyer. And you give us a minimum starting price. And we had 100 lots, and we sold every one of them but, like, seven. Because we didn't know. I mean, if we cancel this sale, we got to send all the cattle back. All the, you know, the people got to pay the trucking to get them out and get them back. I've done bought hay, shavings, rented the fairground, got people to stay us, got their tickets bought. We got to have a sale. Thank God, uh, Skippy and Harbaugh and Kurt Lohr, they loaded up and drove out. And we had our n normal sales staff come, and uh, Tim and Sharon didn't come because that's when he was he was on cancer treatments. We just told them to stay home because we didn't want him to get it. Mm -hmm. And Harbaugh Red Pedigrees did a great job, and there was like 40 people there. So that sale kind of instilled in my mind that in 
said we ought to have these bright future sales with embryos and choices mm-hmm. because you don't have to have people there anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of good things that came out of COVID. I mean, that was a scary time for you, obviously. Did you ever think, I mean, not in a million years, could you ever have created that scenario to get through? No, because <laughs> on Saturday and Sunday of the weekend before, and yeah, it's, it's all a hoax. It, it, that's all it is, just a hoax, mm-hmm. you know. Well, turned out Monday, the world shut down and we didn't what we were going to do you know no spring shows why is anybody going to buy anything at the march madness if there's no spring shows (laughs) you know how are we going to get through this but that's where people you know people bought stuff at that sale that were friends of ours and they wanted to support us and they wanted to support the consigners and they bought one and didn't even need one yeah but they they wanted us to land on our feet and you know thank god for your friends in that circumstance yep Yep, yep. That's uh, that's the industry we live in. There's a lot of great people, but this has been a great time visiting with you about your history and where you're at now, and a great success story. I know there's been bumps along the way that um, you know we all go through, but you've uh, absolutely, yep. You have definitely uh, come a long way, and from auctioneering school, and I didn't know you had that airster background because that was cool too. So mm-hmm. I love that. That was Chris Hill with What's on the Agenda Extra. If you like this episode, make sure you share it on all your social media channels. Listen to this on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts, and we'll catch you next time.